Well, hey, friends. Uh, welcome to this live podcast. My name is John Wayne McMahon. Um, I'm, I'm hoping and guessing we're going to see some friends from Carney and some friends from Tyler. Uh, pretty cool to have two different congregations come together. But anybody that's also joining online just because they stumbled across here, we're thankful for you. I'm a pastor at Marv United Methodist Church, um, and we have been uh, preaching through a sermon series called Canceled. And I've been working for working with my guy, Adam Musto. Adam is uh, one of my dear friends. He's got more woo than a cheerleading squad. He is a meat smoking connoisseur uh, and he is a dear friend. I'm thankful to have him as a conversation partner in this Canceled series. Thank you, sir. I've been waiting for someone to introduce me on my own live stream. Yes. Now I can, I I can die in peace. I can die in peace. <laughs> hey, that's not all. Hold on. We got somebody chiming in here. Somebody Sarah says, happy Tuesday. We are glad you were here. Uh, we also have another very special guest, another one of your pastor friends. Yes. Mine as well. Uh, she is an avid runner. She is, she does camp gladiator or something really intimidating that I'm always too scared to ask her about. She's a boss. Mm -hmm. She's a boss. She enjoys birding and many other things. Yes. Give it up for your friend and mine. Her her friends call her Mama Banks. You can call her Hillary Marchbanks. Woo! Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> Greetings, friends. I'm excited to be here. I uh, serve as senior pastor of St. John's United Methodist in Austin, Texas, where it is um, 60 degrees, Adam. So just letting you know. How cold is it, Adam? I had to scrape the ice off my car because it went from 70 to literally 17 today. Short oh. sleeves, brother. I'm very upset about it. Let's move on. Let's move <laughs> on. So we're going to get the ball rolling. Friends out there on Facebook, help us out. Let us know. When was a time you wish you could unsay something? Who wants to, who wants to go first? I'll go first because mine is from Sunday, friends. A recent one. Yes. Now that we're all live streamed, I'm just waiting to become a meme. I was preaching on forgiveness in preparation for today's um, podcast. And I was talking about how, you know, with kids, we need to be patient because they're learning. I meant to say, grown-ups, we know that kids can test our patience. But I said, grown-ups, we know kids are annoying. I said <laughs> that in church with children in the room. I, kids, I love all of you. I was You've a got kid. a couple of your own. I have a couple of my own. So that's when I wish I could have unsaid something. That is awesome. It's pretty good. Did you get what any comments you, afterwards? I didn't. I'm still waiting. <laughs> You're Maybe we'll get it now. Grumpy email. It's coming. Amen. Amen. So I, I mine was I did a wedding uh, not too long ago, and when when I um when I do weddings, I take the same like template. And then I change out the names and drop my message in there and things like that. But I have this starting place. Well, um, I accidentally left someone's names in there. And when it got to the blessing, when it was time to like basically say their husband and wife to, to finish up the whole ceremony, I called them by the wrong names. Yeah. Are you telling them right now they're not married? Is that? No, I corrected it. I think it's okay. I, I we all had a good laugh. Yeah. What? Yeah. We're we're Methodists. We don't put so much weight on the the broken pastor, right? 
yeah, you you got to use that uh, control search and replace, big dog. You, you I know it you was know. awful. It, the wedding was already like had a lot of chaos happening in it, and I was distracted, and I just it was bad news. Ugh. It was uh, a beautiful ceremony, great couple, but John Wayne messed up. Oof. I was in college. I have a real thing. Um, I really hate like loud chewing or like food noises. Um, and we were at this, it was like this special debate between two students and it was kind of after lunch or during lunch. And it was a, it was a cool thing on campus. So there's tons of people in this auditorium uh, and we're all getting ready to, to, it's getting ready to start. And this person behind me is like, methodically going through their potato chips so like the crumple of the bag and then like i can hear their fingers like grasping for chips and then they're like crunching on them and so i wheel around in all my 19 year old glory i'm just like would you mind eating that somewhere else and it was like the chair of the math department one of the profs <laughs> but, he, but awesome. he stopped so I, had to, I, wish, I wish i could unsay that it was very rude though and gross so that's mine that's mine um, so, uh, trying to wade into the waters of cancellation, right? When you, yeah. when you put something out there and you can't take it back, uh, we have been spending a few weeks at our churches, uh, on this concept. What's the Christian response to cancel culture? And, uh, wanted to ask you, Hillary, especially folks hear a little bit from John Wayne and I, but, uh, and friends out there on Facebook world, what do you think of the definitions we've used so far about cancel culture? Uh, we, we've tried to distinguish between, you know, and it's most noble, uh, it can be about accountability, but a lot of times it, it can descend into a form of entertainment. So how has that sat with you? Yeah, what really resonated with me from each of your messages was that it's not a Christian response to see people fail and get canceled and make it a sport. Like that that really stuck with me. And in Brene Brown's latest book, Atlas of the Heart, she talks Shout about- out. Shout out. Yeah, I am not paid for the sponsorship. Um, you know, she talks about schadenfreude and how it's normal for us. You know, it's the human response to pay attention to whenever people fail. That means happy and failure as one word. But she challenges us to freudenfreude, which means happy with joy. Like when someone else has joy, how can we respond to that with happiness instead of the schadenfreude. And I really liked that in re response to what you all said about not making it a sport. Mm. How is it that we can celebrate each other's joys whenever our society tells us to celebrate whenever people go down? So that was my response. I really appreciated that um, definition from y'all. Okay, two quick things. One, thank you for clearly preparing for this event tonight. <laughs> you know I did. <laughs> Jeez, and two, I look forward to ripping off that entire thing as soon as this Sunday. <laughs> Do it. Thank you. It made, me, it made me think of um, a conversation we had earlier, Adam, about like we struggled to find um, we struggled to find people that had had comeback, successful comeback stories like at pastors or leaders. And I just wondering if that's a part of cancel culture that we celebrate the downfalls so much that we and we don't actually celebrate some of the redemption and good stories like we eat up one and we don't have the other. I mean, it's the same thing about news, right? You yeah. don't hear any of the good things on news because that's not what people are looking for right now. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I texted a friend, our friend Jenny. Um, 
she and I'll talk a little bit about, oh, some folks have heard, some folks haven't, it's not a big deal. Uh, but there's this podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And I thought to myself, where's the podcast chronicling like the really healthy and beautiful picture of church? Like there ain't one. It doesn't, it doesn't get the advertisements. No, they wouldn't be one of the top podcasts. <laughs> it's no. probably out there. I don't know. <laughs> it's not listening. Yeah. Maybe we can make our own. We'll see. Yeah, um, yeah Hillary, I love um, I love that thought about how can we reverse our instincts. What did you say the first one was? Happy with failure? Yeah, schadenfreude means hap uh, failure, happy when someone fails. And yeah. then freudenfreude means happy with someone's joy. Mm. Boom. Mm -hmm. I think Page that's 36 of Atlas of the Heart. I, that's going to be tough to top. So I'm just going to keep moving. Does that sound okay with you? Yeah. <laughs> On Sunday, we talked about Jesus forgiving us, but people needing time. Uh, have you all found this to be true? Friends on Facebook, let us know. What do y'all think? Yeah, I mean, for sure. And I think, I think uh, I've struggled a lot to forgive people. I mean, I, I've, I remember being in an accountability group one time and I was talking about a really difficult relationship uh, that's close to me. And someone in my accountability group asked if I was, um, if I had higher demands of, um, of reconciliation than what Jesus does <laughs> in this relationship. And I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and, and so just acknowledging that it's, uh, it's really hard. I mean, when there's pain and hurt, it's difficult for us uh, to forgive other people. And I, th I think that's an important lesson when I'm thinking about the reversal of it, right? Like, how, how can we um, how can we give space for people to experience that redemption when they've failed, even if we haven't been harmed because we see we see them in light of the way Christ does, hopefully. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Christy agrees. AJ agrees. Thank you all for being with us. Mama Banks. I think you're about to say something. Sorry. So uh, the quote that I shared on Sunday was from Nadia Boltz Weber, where she said, Jesus talks about forgiveness like that guy in high school who had a garage band. He can't stop talking about it. And I love that image because it's true. Like we're asked to do this over and over and over again, but it takes patience. I mean, that's sanctification, right? It's not our human condition to forgive and to see redemption in others. I mean, that, that's part of that continued work that God um, does in our hearts. That's exactly right. And I, and I think it's important to, have folks say out loud, it's not easy. It's not instant. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of times we'll approach forgiveness from trying to be the one to do the forgiving. I think part of the point of Sunday was to reverse that. And what do we do when we failed and they're trying to seek that from somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it's important that just as we give ourselves sometimes years or decades to work on this stuff, well, someone else may need that for me. And that's not the easiest thing to swallow. Yeah. Let's see. We got another comment here. AJ says, we judge others by their actions, but want others to judge us by our intentions. Ooh. That's good, AJ. Very good. I like that. Uh, I think the fancy name for that is the fundamental attribution error. No joke. Very impressive, AJ. Thanks for weighing in, buddy. Yeah. I've never heard that term, Adam. Kind of this, yeah, this double standard that AJ's describing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. We tried to hit on that a little bit the first week. 
Um, we like mm -hmm. accountability for other folks, but make a lot of exceptions when it's for us, right? Like if I cut, so the fundamental attribution error would be, and AJ, correct me if I'm wrong, my friend, but uh, like if I cut somebody off in traffic is because I'm in a hurry. If someone else cuts me off, it's because they're an idiot. Mm. Like that's, that, that's what he like, that's how we kind of work it. Uh, appreciate you chiming in, my friend. We also on Sunday talked about the differences between guilt and shame. So I was curious what what you thought of those definitions, Hillary, and if anybody else out there uh, would would define them any other type of way. What do you think? I think y'all were spot on. You know, shame, we think there's something wrong with who we are, and guilt really is an appropriate response when we need to make amends or make a change in some way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got a I got a question. It, I was wondering, I mean, we've got a four-year-old at home and he experiences shame in ways I, I hadn't thought about. Like when he feels, when he's worried he's in trouble, like even if we haven't said he's in trouble, he experiences that. But let me just, a question I'm pondering, is there a level of shame that is a good and healthy thing for us? Hmm. Just curious, like if, like is I wonder like because there's in in honor and shame culture, right? In other cultures that are different than ours, there's a um, almost a loyalty to not do anything that would cause us to break ranks with people that are around us, or else they would experience that kind of shame. I just wonder if there's some of it that's healthy, even in a temporary way. Um, I don't know. What are y'all's thoughts? I feel like, I don't know, I would define that as humility mm. almost, right? And, and I, I do think humility is appropriate um, at times, not to think of us less, you know, than less that we are, but humility is important. Yeah. I have never linked the word humility with humiliation before, but I bet the etymology. I hadn't either. I think yeah. the etymology is probably the same, right? It is, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, is there a degree of shame that's actually helpful? I'll need to think about that. Yeah, because I mean, that's one, like, ultimately, the best thing is to not have something to ask forgiveness for, right? <laughs> like, right. not do it on the front end is better. That's the better alternative. Mm -hmm. And so if shame helps us do that, is it actually a good thing in a certain dosage? I don't even know what, what word to use. Right, because I think, because like, I, I think you can make the argument that shame is like a, in, can induce repentance. Like I've, I've done, not just done something, but I am living in such a way that's wrong. Mm -hmm. So I want to change that. I guess where it starts to become like an identity marker instead of like actions, you know, or mm -hmm. um, when it becomes your, your core self instead of like um, a mistake. That's when it's probably a, in a place that's not healthy. I don't mm -hmm. know. Oh, Christy says, does it help us? Does it help keep us from doing wrong? I felt shame and don't want to feel it again. Mm -hmm. So to Christy's point, if it helps, if it helps to prevent, it's like preventative shame. I don't, I don't like what we would name it. I don't have the Atlas book. So I'm just kind of flying blind here. 87 uh, emotions are listed in the Atlas book. <laughs> but really, we also want people to know that they're beloved, right? And, and that, yeah. that, you know, um, that God loves and redeems you. This sounds very Ash Wednesday, friends, that we're paying yeah. attention to our limits. Yeah, I had sent the message ahead of time to somebody and they were like, it's kind of depressing. 
Your Ash Wednesday or this last no, one? No, last last <laughs> Wednesday. Yeah, I'm like I don't know. Talking about screwing up, well, you know, throw a party. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a good, that's that's something to, to chew on. I think is, is there a healthy amount of shame? That's good. Um, we talked on Sunday about John 21. That was kind of our main scripture. And so this is verses eight through fourteen. I'll go ahead and rattle this off for us. The other disciples fallen in the boat, towing the net full of fish. For they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. I just wanted to say, so some some cutting room material, cutting room floor. Like there's lots of details I wish were included in scripture. I'm not sure if the 153 was like, a real big one for me. So many women don't have names, but we know there's 153 fish. Come on. <laughs> Boom. So John 21 canceled, canceled. <laughs> so even with so many, oh, uh, please, please, tune, please don't tune out. I was just kidding. Um, even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask them, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So what does it say about Jesus that he's preparing the disciples, including Peter, breakfast? I have kind of a tangential answer, but I like it. So I'm going to say it. Do it. So this story about all the fish in Luke, it shows up at the very beginning, right? In John, they put it at the end and at Luke, they put it at the beginning. What I like about it being at the end is that it talks a lot about the abundance of the risen Christ. What I like about it at the beginning is it's the first time that Jesus isn't doing ministry by himself, right? Mm. And in y'all's messages, you talked about, like, we are called to learn how to forgive one another and to see Christ in one another and, you know, repent, turn back toward God when we do something wrong. And I really wonder if this isn't a message about community, right? Mm. As a community, we're supposed to lift each other up. Is that part of the abundance? I see it more in Luke because it's in the beginning, mm -hmm. but I couldn't forget that even though this was at the end. So of course, absolutely. Jesus forgives us and it takes people some time, but I think it is what the community is called to do. 70 times seven. It takes a while. Right. Yep. I don't have an answer for the 153 y'all. <laughs> don't know what that number means. I hadn't thought about it. Is, is the passage in Luke a parallel or is it similar? It, it's similar. It's like right after baptism and temptation. Yeah. It's the first thing that he does. And in it, um, Peter says, I can't do this because I'm a sinner. Like, do not. He, he sounds like a prophet. Like, I am too sinful mm -hmm. for this. Mm -hmm. Which, again, goes back to guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. I hadn't... Um... It was in the lectionary a couple weeks ago, guys. That's the only oh, reason it's lectionary. fresh on my mind. <laughs> but I, I think it's really significant that Jesus comes to all of them. Like Peter's in that community. Like when it comes to cancel, this cancel culture series is all about, all about the church's response in uh, to failure and accountability. And that's all about community. And if we, I mean, we could have picked out a hundred texts of Paul writing to the churches about how to deal with people that were 
leaving the parameters of of the faith or we're doing something that was causing harm and the way he kind of treats and calls the community to come around them and love them unless they're like heretics then he's kind of rude about it but (laughs) but it's just interesting that jesus comes to them and they all make breakfast but there is a folk they all eat breakfast but there's a focus on peter's restoration here and it's in the midst of community i think that's a a pretty cool thing Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had somebody chime in that making breakfast equals lots of love. My hubby made me breakfast that Sunday morning. So the feeling of love you have when somebody makes you breakfast was very fresh for me. Appreciate you, Sarah. Yeah, I, I do think that not every, you don't just make breakfast for anybody, right? Like there's not a ton of people coming over to my house before 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it is a significant meal in that regard. Um, I just, I just love the... He knew, he knew they would be hungry. They were out all night fishing. Come have some breakfast. Like, he had just got done, you know, uh, I don't know what the timeline is, maybe a month. I don't know, help me out. But he just got done washing their feet, certainly a few pages before, mm-hmm. um, and just continues with the attitude. Oh, me and Christy were on the same page. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just continues with that that. Example to be an exemplar of service. Um, I just and are, I, are there times that our churches do that, right? Or are we more like the the one that's like, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough, right? Are we ever that generous and abundant? Oh, interesting. Uh, would we rather be the one cooking breakfast than the one eating it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Mama Banks coming, coming in hot on the live stream. This is my first live stream and podcast. So crushing it. What are you doing next week? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Appreciate everybody chiming in. Um, Cassandra, glad you're with us. She said from earlier, shame can be healthy if it's associated with the action, not the person. That's, that's part of the delineation we were trying to give on Mm -hmm. Sunday. We were right with you. Uh, My boy, AJ says servant leadership. He's a, He's a proponent of that. Uh, you guys haven't met him, but I wish you could. He's he's awesome. Um, so yeah, Jesus prepares the disciples breakfast, a significant meal, an example of servanthood. And then he and Peter have a conversation. This is from John 21 again. Mm-hmm. They finished eating. Jesus said to Simon Peter, I'll, I'll interject again. He Jesus is the one who gave him this nickname. We didn't talk about that on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Right? Petrus. So he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What do you think Jesus was referring to when he says, do you love me more than these? What do you think, Hill? Well, I did my research. Yeah, you did. I have the answer. I don't have the answer, but I have something interesting to say. All right. (laughs) You know how it's a back and forth? Do you love me? You know I love you. Do you love me? You know I love you. And then he's like, I'm sad you asked me again. Okay, the first, do you love me from Jesus? It's agape, that steadfast, unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Peter responds... I phileo you yeah. with the familial. That blew my mind, John Wayne. I had never seen that. Jesus asks again, agape. He responds again, phileo. Jesus asks again, phileo. Yeah. So the third question, when Peter gets sad, Jesus has like downgraded the love from the, the steadfast, right. unconditional love called, you know. Anyway, I don't know what that means, but I think it goes along mm. with what both of you said on Sunday. Jesus forgives you and it might take people some time. These loves are even different, right? And so maybe it's that heavenly, you know, um, divine love, unconditional, 
talking about something that's really between humans. I think there's something there. It's a whisper, a whisper. Mm. But I think I'm, it's something. I'm just so glad this is being recorded. <laughs> but you all gave me that idea with your sermons about that love from God and how we are striving to be that through Christian perfection throughout our lives, mm. that sanctification. So what Hillary's referring to is in English, we tend to have love, have kind of multiple layers of like, I love lamp, right? Or, oh, I, I love Little Caesars. I love John Wayne. I love my kids. I love lamp. Like it's, but in Greek, they had multiple, it was more nuanced and they had multiple words for those different concepts. So that was what Hillary was referring to. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, there's a great book by C.S. Lewis called The Four Loves, and he talks about all of these. Mm -hmm. And um, I have it, uh, somebody recorded him in like the 40s, and I have his, I have the audio tape version of it. And instead of agape, you know, in his deep British, I mean, own way, he says, agape. Anyway, I didn't know we'd get into that tonight, but here we are. Um, so, did, did anybody else have any thoughts on what the these meant? Do you think he was talking about the fish? That was that was kind of what I threw out. Or what else could Jesus have meant? What do you all think? I mean, I think like I, you if you read, if you pick up a commentary, they're going to get a different take on this. So like they're all over the map. And I think Jesus, if if I were to guess, I think he left it vague on purpose. It's more mm -hmm. of like a like consider your loves kind of thing. Like yeah. consider where your heart is. Um, especially with that being the first request after that's the first, the first statement from Jesus to restore from the failure is like, where's your heart at right now? Like, mm -hmm. is it back in this way that you were living before or do you desire something else or something more deeply? So I think it could be fish. It could be the disciples. It could be a way of life. It could be all of those things. Maybe stay in put like in there by the sea, kind of where he lived. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and to Hillary's point, uh, oh, AJ says, I've always thought of it as all encompassing. And I think mm -hmm. to, like John Wayne just said, maybe that's part of the point is it's, it's open-ended. Uh, to Hillary's uh, point, it, it was a whisper. I think that I kind of like the open-endedness of it um, or the all-encompassing part of it. And so to Hillary's uh, statement earlier, we keep reading Peter's response. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you using a different, you said filio, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and can you explain like, um, like that's the same root as philanthropy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's often referred to as brotherly love or familial yeah. love. Mm -hmm. Right. So Peter responds with a little, little twist. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And which was the second one? Was this still? Do you agape? Agape. Oh, that was good. You really hit the lower register. Man. I like that. <laughs> Simon, son of John, do you love me? Agape. He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. So Peter responds with mm -hmm. The different word again. Yeah. Oops. Mm -hmm. Third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And to your point, this time he like, I don't know if, what, what would, would we use the word stoop? He. I know. He, I'm like the lower level of love. I don't mean yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Wish I could unsay that. <laughs> no, I thought it was accurate. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, and feed my sheep. So why do we think 
Jesus asked Peter this three times. I think I think at least the way uh, John's gospel is trying to lay this out, he's trying to show very clearly a parallel with the three threefold denial. Mm-hmm. And I think both I think both of us talked about that Sunday, but it's mm-hmm. just like a it's just a beautiful response of what I love is that Jesus shows up, he makes breakfast, and he doesn't give a lecture about mm-hmm. like or even hey let's you know i like i what i'm struggling to figure out how to discipline a four-year-old but like i want to make luke talk through everything he's done wrong uh mm-hmm. when when we're trying to figure it out because i'm trying to teach him a lesson but yeah. but i love that the first move here from jesus is an act of like i'm not gonna heap this on top of what you've already carried but maybe invite you to actually unload some of what you've carried from this shame and guilt and express this love to you. And there's probably gonna be lessons that are, that are learned after that. But the initial reaction of restoration is one of like endearing hospitality from Jesus. So I think that's really, really cool. As opposed to our instinct, which is to maybe get just the right dose of shame. Yeah. Next time he'll remember. Yeah. Let's teach him to not do this again. That's right. Yeah. What do you think, Hillary? I so something else you all talked about. Um, John Wayne talked about the transfiguration, and I think it's a parallel with those three denials. And I also like the idea that it's a parallel when they, you know, three disciples go up there and they want to stay, like they yeah. just want to stay in this. I think you said slice of heaven, which I really like, right? And they just want to dwell where they're having this holy moment. But the truth is that on earth, which God's love revealed. Jesus was here to be in, in the muck with us, you know, we've, we've got to leave. And, and so I think that those three remind us like this, this foretaste, but also the denial and the forgiveness, I, I think together, and I'm hopping gospels, but I think together um, those make a really neat parallel, triple parallel. I, I never put all those together. I hadn't either. That's why you got to watch two sermons every Sunday, you know, you'll start to, <laughs> I, I don't know if our I don't know if our thanks for being on the live stream gift was enough if you endured both of those. Oh well, I got a bird poster, friends. It's glorious. I'm gonna get it framed. Um, another scripture we looked at on Sunday uh, was Romans twelve eighteen. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So, what do y'all think we can do to define what's up to us and what's possible? You know, the sanctifying grace. I went through the graces on Sunday talking about how forgiving and um, working on forgiveness is part of that Christian love. When your heart has less and less room for sin. And I think this is part of that work that God does in us. Mm-hmm. Isn't Romans 12, 18 beautiful? My goodness. Yeah, that's that's a favorite. We, I try not to use this one all the time, but it's a good one. Well, I think I think like. I mean, we we are called. I mean, I don't want to get ahead for next week's sermon, but we're called to love our enemies. But we can't make other people love their enemies, right? We can't like mm. we 
this is a this is a journey that we're on and it goes back to the first week too with desiring accountability for others and amnesty for ourselves Mm -hmm. this is a journey we have to go on and i think what happens too is um when we find our when we find ourselves able to love our enemies or to forgive deeply and sacrificially i think that that christ's love is displayed through that act in a really beautiful way and it changes the environment that's around you i mean you think about mm-hmm. you know i thought about i had a, a a member of my another congregation i served who um, got up to forgive someone who took the life of one of her family members in, in a trial in a hearing and that that testimony and that presence changed people in the room that were able to see that and so there's a there's a place that we only we can go in this journey and it's up to us uh to engage in that very thing um to walk in the life that that christ has given us to receive what christ meets us with on the beach right where wherever that is um and and to take take in as much as we can so well and you and you and christy were on the same wavelength Right, that 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 display of forgiveness in the courtroom was a, a witness to other folks in there. Um, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how do we how do we handle scenarios where maybe somebody has passed away, right? And I think in some ways that limits what is possible, sort of interrelation inter interrelationally. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think part of the tough pill to swallow is that's just going to be re- for some of us that's just going to be reality. Yeah. All we can do is is either release or seek as much as we can, particularly mm-hmm. if somebody has passed. Um, no matter what side of the equation we're on, there's going to be a limit to that. But um, we can we can take it as far as we can, but only only what's up to us. So I think this is a beautiful verse because in some ways it's sobering. What? Yeah. You- oh, Sorry, ahead. I was just wondering how you two held this verse together with how much you're talking about accountability appropriately. So with this series, right? Sometimes when I hold people accountable, it's not peaceful. And sometimes when people hold me accountable, it doesn't feel peaceful. Right. Uh, But I think it's important. I mean, that's part of what we're called to do as Christians. So that was another thing that came to my mind. Well, I haven't, I, I didn't look at the Greek. I'm guessing this is talking about what's the, what's the Greek word for um, what's the Greek version of Shalom. Y'all remember? Anyway, I anyway, so I if if the Shalom, the idea of peace in Scripture, at least in the Old Testament, that's carried over. I think I can't remember the word. Anyways, it has to do with setting things right, like not just mm-hmm. like a not just a ceasefire. So even holding someone accountable mm-hmm. has the goal of like a restoration, of rebuilding of what was torn down. And so a goal of helping, even if I'm holding someone accountable and helping that person in healing. Now that's a da- that's a slippery slope. I know in practicality because I could think I'm doing something loving. And I'm actually just being a jerk with my accountability. Yeah. So you got to do it in community, but, but in, at least in the scriptural witness of peace, I think it, you can, you can participate in accountability and still be about peace. So one of Wesley's, three rules is do no harm. I think those, uh, I think Reuben Job uh, has, is a Methodist Bishop that's done a lot to revive those in the last 20 years. Um, but I think you hear a lot more of that language and, 
it made me think of this discussion that that we're having now because to some folks a call to accountability might be perceived as harmful and so this this kind of rallying cry of do no harm well i guess that depends on who's defining it right that's where it's tricky right yeah yeah because well and that's it that goes back to week one about accountability has to come from proximity right so that's right I mean, it's just not going to be just practically, it's not going to be productive or effective if there's not a relational um, existence there. The best shot you have is that Nathan having skin in the game in David's life to be able to go to David and to call him to to accountability. Mm -hmm. I receive accountability a lot better from the person in my accountability group that prays for me and I know loves me and has their, their best, you know, is looking out for me than I do the anonymous email that didn't like something that happened. Right. Like y'all do too. Right. Like it's because I think I, I, I never get those. So I don't know what that's like. Yeah, that's right. I'm coming. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm going to send you one tonight. <laughs> well, and I also love that in this conversation, I, I have redefined peace in my own head, right? The first time I heard it, I was like, clouds and fluffy bunnies and a sense of peace, right? But true peace is something where reconciliation and redemption has happened, right? Yeah. Um, so that's helpful too. It's a deeper peace. Yeah, arrived at probably through some pain. Right. Yeah. There's some realness. And I, th I think that's, that's part of the, I think, a lot of times we, well, I, I guess I'll go there. So like, y'all tell me if this is, this is too much, but I remember um, it was the court case where um, it was the woman who shot another man because she thought it was her apartment. Mm -hmm. In Dallas. Is that? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the uh, man's brother, I hope I'm not messing this up asked the judge during, I believe it was the sentencing, I think, anyway, sometime during the proceedings, if he could give her a hug. Yep. And there was this sort of online back and forth about um, whether or not he should have done that and was appropriate. And um, a lot of people had a lot of thoughts on that. And uh, I think the, I'm certainly not, uh, arguing that he should or shouldn't have done anything, but some people were quick to think, oh, well, this is just glossing over a lot here. The reason I bring all this up is because I think we like to lift up stories like that in sermons like the ones we gave that, that, that forgiveness can be an instant thing or that peace can be this serene concept, but it, it's probably a lot more painstaking and time consuming than we want to paint the picture for folks. Those are my thoughts. And based on relationship, like mm. John Wayne said earlier, we want things to be instant. We cancel mm -hmm. people instantly. We, you know, we want peace instantly. And I, and I think it's a cheap move when we reinforce that biblically. And that's, that's why I thought it was important. We distinguish like, listen, Jesus will forgive you. <laughs> People may need a little more, you know, a, a couple weeks. Um, I just think that's reality. Um, yeah, so Romans Romans 12, 18, lots to dig into there. 
So I had a couple more things planned, blah, blah, blah. But then I thought John Wayne's conclusion was a lot better than mine on Sunday. So I'll just throw out there, uh, kind of recapping the main thing we're trying to combat with cancel culture is that we as Christians shouldn't make it a sport. And hopefully with calls of accountability comes the hope of restoration. Like that's the faith we try and put into practice. Is there anything we missed or anything else you all wanted to add? What do you think? AJ had a comment that I thought was great. He talked about the accountability and proximity. He said, it's an emotional bank account. If you haven't made any positive deposits, a negative withdrawal hurts much mm -hmm. more. As Christians, we have to make as many deposits as possible. Appreciate you, friend. That's a good word. Mm -hmm. AJ dropping dimes tonight. I know. Again, yeah. I'm glad this is recorded. Uh, but is there anything else uh, that you guys uh, think we need to add or anything we didn't touch on? I, I still am holding in my mind what to do with, what do you do with uh, gifted leaders, authors, theologians, pastors that have moral failures, mm -hmm. but have contributed, I think, beautiful things. Um, what do you do with that? Like, mm -hmm. I think, you know, Adam, Adam and I have talked a lot about a hero or two that we share that you remember like, that. Yeah. Like, geez, like, what do we do with this? And so I'm still, I'm still working that out in my, my own heart. <clears throat> like, I don't want to, we don't cancel that person, but, but has sin, has sin tainted even some of the things they've offered to the world because of like, or is there something that flew, flowed from the place that caused serious moral failure, hurt, or injustice um, that also is somehow involved in the work that they offered? Like th those kind of things I don't know what to do with. I'll, I'll go Asbury power move and do a biblical metaphor, right? But like at what, <laughs> at what point does it's train its fruit, right? Like at what point does the bad fruit kind of overtake the good one, the good fruit. Right. I don't know the math on that either. Yeah, something uh, my husband said that I've held really close um, in terms of cancel culture. He's often said, you know, I could cancel someone from being my role model or being a celebrity in this thing. And that doesn't mean I cancel them as a person. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when it comes to the people that I go to for stuff in faith, I wonder if what I'm saying is, I'm not canceling you as a person, but it's hard for me to quote you now because whatever you did, someone in the congregation might've been victimized in the same way and da, 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 da. But I think in my mind, I can still pray for that person and for redemption. But I, I do shy away from, from faith things whenever there's something really intense. And it's hard to do, friends. There are songs I want to sing. There are things I want to no. quote. And, and I'm, I'm cautious about it. And, you know, I wrestle with it, too, but I'm cautious about it because I think about um, I was holding them as a moral standard. Right. Mm -hmm. That's not a full answer, but it's it's where I'm at today. Well, what, what I liked about what your answer there, Hillary, is you're uh, considering others in the usage of that. Right. Like, am I going to perpetuate harm mm -hmm. by quoting this person? Mm -hmm because someone might have experienced something similar. So I, I think like that's a good hermeneutic 
to consider uh, when engaging. I think that's helpful. But yeah, it's 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 weird. Like I, there's a lot. I mean, I'm a I lead a contemporary worship community, and there's songs that we sing from people from churches that I'm like, I don't. I don't know about that, but the song yeah. itself is fine. So what do we right. do? I know. What do I do with that? So anyways, it's, it, it, that's just a thought. I didn't think we'd answer it all tonight. But well, I, no, that'll, I be a good, that'll be a good teaser for next week, too, because we're hoping to get into that. Hillary, sorry. Go well, ahead. And, the, and the last thing that I've been thinking about with y'all series is just what a different world. We've talked about raising kids. I have two sons. And I'm thinking about what a different world my sons are living in. And again, another thing my husband and I talk about, you know, mistakes we made that we repented for were not written down or, you know, tweeted. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah. And I, I don't know if you all talked about that already, but that's just another piece of how do we raise kids that have the ability to share any thought they have online? Yeah. So that's another, a whole nother layer. Yeah. I mean, if y'all have y'all done any social media stalking when you're about to hire someone? Gonna tell sure. the truth, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like that didn't exist that I long ago. Someone call, like, call that due diligence. Yeah, I know, but like that, that access is completely different now. Your entire life has been put on the internet for people to actually be able to seek out. So it's it's wild. Like I used to. So I I have a colorful past. I used to get worried about folks googling and finding my mugshot because it's out there. Uh, time has passed and it's kind of disappeared, but man, you can find all kinds of stuff on folks now. It's just a different yeah. world we live in. It's, it's a different world. And I, I don't really know. It, it's just a different thing to talk to kids about. And I don't have the answer. I was hoping you guys did. No. Tune in next week. That's why we called you. <laughs> yeah, for real. What's, hey, wait, what's Brene say? Oh, hold on. <laughs> Emotion 84. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Friends, this is going quick. I think that's a, a hopefully a good sign. I appreciate y'all being with us. You guys want to sign off? Yep. Let's do it. Mama Banks, thank you so much. Thank you. This was a delight. We appreciate you. Bye, everybody. <laughs>